I believe we're on. Okay, you on there, Jim? Praise the Lord. We record the audio portion of the sermon. We record the, the sermon in audio, and we post it online at sermonaudio.com. We also um, record Facebook Live for those people that can't be here. And there are people all over the world that are listening to sermons that come out of this little building, so we praise God for that. Uh, this is part two in a, ser- in, a, in a series. I actually started as a sermon, and then it was just too much to bring at one time, so now this is part two. In 1971, uh, a group called Five Man Electrical Band produced a song called Signs, and that's the title of the, the message. Signs, signs, everywhere the signs. Now, the song has nothing to do with the sermon. It's just that. That line out of the song that it just popped into my head as I was writing the sermon, the original one, and uh, signs, signs everywhere, the signs. And, no, I'm not going to say. I could, but I, I won't. We're going to continue looking at the 24th chapter of Matthew's gospel record, and you'll recall that Matthew was a Hebrew tax collector. Tax collectors were known to cheat people, okay? And Jesus called him out of that profession and into being an evangelist. And he had to learn first. So he walked with Christ and he learned the gospel, the good news. Matthew's gospel record contains the words of Christ regarding the signs that we're to watch for. Many of which we're seeing right now in our own time. We're to look for these signs preceding his return and the end of the age, what he calls it. The signs are everywhere, but humankind has gotten so dull to paying attention. We've gotten to the place of ignoring or minimizing the signs, which makes Christ's message more important today than it, I believe, ever has been. Because we are in the midst of those times that he foretold must pay attention to what he taught to remain on his path. And he warns about that. Those who persevere to the end will be saved. Before we go on, I want us to pray. We're going to start in the message by recapping some points from last week. I really am just going to run through it. I, I thought we'd read the scripture but I think I'm just going to touch on it as we go because time will not permit. And I don't want my wife to get mad at me for bringing you all downstairs later than the food is ready. So, Father, we thank you. We're lost without you in our lives, Lord. And without your sacrifice, that sacrifice that you provided, we are forever lost. Without repentance, the cross of Christ is meaningless. Help us, Lord. Draw us nearer to you. Open our eyes to see. Help us submit to your word as our guide. We're unworthy of your love, but you made the way to cleanse us, Father. Please help us to surrender completely to you. And help me, as I have asked you many, many times before, help me to speak clearly and concisely. I yield completely to you. May all who receive this message Get what you have for them, I pray, in Christ's name and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. The one we call Jesus. 
foretold the worship temple's destruction. He said, not one stone will be left upon another. You see, they were marveling at this wonderful temple campus, this hub of religious, uh, exotic religious activity. They were all about the religion. And his disciples were saying, wow, look at this. This is something. And he's saying, not one stone. I tell you, this is not one stone will remain upon the other. Not one will not be overturned. And whenever the Romans burned the temple, they overturned all the stones because they wanted to extract every bit of gold that they could from the temple. They were caught up in religion. Now, thankfully, we, by his sacrifice, can have a relationship, not just religion. I wonder what happened here. Something's not right. And I want to make sure that it is because... I don't know. Well, anyway, that's what I get for not testing it before the service. Sometimes things get bumped or something, I don't know. Anyway, he told them that the temple, everything would be destroyed, and it was about 40 years later. And then his disciples asked him three questions. Three questions they asked him. Tell us when these things will be. Tell us what will be the signs of your coming and what will be the sign of the end of the age. And our Lord warned them to be careful to avoid deception. And this warning is more relevant now than ever before. Avoid deception. Beware. Do not be deceived. Lord, help us. His disciples asked him these three questions. Tell us when these things will be, what will be the signs of your coming, and what will be the sign of the end of the age. And our Lord reminded them to be careful to avoid deception. Technology far exceeds our human ability to consciously process information. And we're constantly being bombarded with information. We can't process it all. And there's a lot of subliminal programming going on, especially with television and, and with uh, music. Many, he said, would come claiming they were Christ, and many false prophets, many false shepherds would come. And they have. Ever since he was here, there have been those who've come claiming he was the Christ, but they misled one of the signs of his coming is that false prophets and the number of people deceived will increase. The frequency and number of ethnic differences and battles, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, will also grow as the end approaches. And there will be famines. Now, we don't experience famine in this land. That's evidenced by how much food we have that we can collect for free and give away. There's no famine in this land, not for food yet, but it's coming. Pestilences, that's disease, it can be uh, locusts, pestilences can be anything that destroys. And then there's the earthquakes. Do you know, according to the United States Geological Survey, the magnitude 2.5 plus earthquakes in the past day were 37. 37. 
just in the last 24 hours or so. And that's as of this morning, I checked, make sure I had the number right. During 2020, there were eight quakes of magnitude seven or above in the world. 115 earthquakes between 6.0 and 7.0 in the last year, 2020. 1,689 earthquakes between 5.0 and 6.0. And then, again, in the last year, there have been 12,717 earthquakes between 4.0 and 5.0 on the Richter scale. Earthquakes in various places. There were also 38,941 quakes between 3.0 and 4.0, and 85,000 between 2.0 and 3.0, and there were 207,000 earthquakes under the magnitude of 2.0, which people normally don't even feel. The biggest quake during 2020 was 7.8, and that was south-southeast of Perrysville, Alaska, in the United States, July 22nd, 2020. Earthquakes, he said, are going to increase. Now, if you look at the United States Geological Survey, you can look at as long as they've been documenting earthquakes. And I'm only picking on this one because I could quickly get the stats for it. There are other statistics that I could share with you about the other things. Pestilence, famines. How many famines are in the world, even now? The source for that information is uh, www.volcanodiscovery.com Earthquakes Archive 2020 HTML. All these things, our Lord said, are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning. Now, we're not affected by earthquakes here. We don't have a big issue with earthquakes right here. There were very few earthquakes in Pennsylvania in the last 10 years. And as we see these things increasing, the day's coming when true believers will be hated by all. That's what he said. They'll be delivered up to tribulation and killed. That's what he said, not me. He said that. Our Lord said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. First of all, he's saying you're blessed whenever you're persecuted. And secondly, he says rejoice. Now, how many of you want to jump up and down for joy whenever somebody starts hurting you for your faith? Anybody? Raise your hand. We're not looking to do that. We don't want that to happen, but he said it's going to. And all through time, since his time, people have been persecuted and they have, in fact, rejoiced because they have, in fact, been blessed. He said, for so, excuse me, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And there he makes his disciples akin to the prophets who were professing the truth. Because as we profess the truth, there will be those who do not like it. They will not like us. They will hate us. And they will persecute us. Who did he come after the most? Who did he criticize the most? Was it the prostitutes? Was it the tax collectors, the thieves? Was it the covenants? Was it the idol worshippers? 
against the religious That's who he criticized the most. He criticized those who were deeply steeped in the traditions of men instead of the true gospel, the true good news of God. Tribulation has struck the church from the the very beginning. Our Lord said, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute. We also learned last week that many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another and many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Deception is going to abound. Not just outside of the body of Christ. Not just outside of the church. Because he warns about false shepherds. Not just people on the outside. People on the inside. And this is why it's so important for us to stay true to God's word. What does his word say? Not just what some man say about his word, but what does his word actually say? If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in your seats there. Take one with you. Just let us know so we can get it replaced. I'm serious. We need to be in God's word. He says... Lawlessness will abound. This is a sign of his soon return. Lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. Again, these are things we covered last week. But he, or whomever, endures to the end, shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, the end will come. The gospel is going forth unlike any time in history. The electronic means for transmitting the good news is spreading like wildfire. You ever see a a small brush fire, how the leaves catch fire and the grass catches fire and it spreads out and goes out and around? That's what's happening. The fire of God is spreading across the world. There will be no excuse when Christ returns because his word is going forth. And then the reign of the Messiah will follow these signs. He will return. And there's a lot of differences within the body of Christ on how that looks and when it happens and all of that. I'm just going to tell you what he says. I'm not going to tell you what somebody else said about what he said. I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, the abomination of desolation that's spoken of by Daniel the prophet will be standing in the holy place, the temple of God. It will become clear. And the question that comes to my mind whenever I read that is, well, where's the temple? There's no physical temple. Right, it's us. Because his word tells us so. The temple of God is the body of Christ on earth. We simply need to read God's word. His word tells us so. In fact, I had a passage, I think. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defies or defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The temple is the people who follow Christ. And he says there's going to be an abomination of desolation that stands 
and defiles the body. That's what he's saying. It's very clear. You just look at it with open eyes and block out all the other things you may have heard before and just look at what he says. The lawless one will be revealed, yet the Lord himself will destroy him with his coming and with the word of his mouth. Unrighteous deception will reign among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And who sends that? This reason, it's written, when we look in the scripture, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We may not have pleasure in unrighteousness and expect that somehow we have something that he promises if we are living our lives completely contrary to the way that he led people to live their lives. It doesn't work that way. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't leave you in your sin. The grace of God calls you out of it. Finds you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Christ reminds his followers not to look back. It's written in Luke chapter 17. Remember Lot's wife. She was destroyed for looking back. Her heart was still with her former life. He's saying completely turn away from all of that. Run from deception. Get away from it. Whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. And this is why people would allow themselves to be martyred. They would allow themselves to be sacrificed for Christ. Now, I'm not telling you to run into the sword, okay? But I'm telling you this. He said if you lose your life, for him, you have everlasting life. You're not losing life, you're gaining life. Now after the signs that he foretold, our master said, then there will be great tribulation. So all these signs are going to come. We're going to see the signs. And he said, and then there will be great tribulation. He said it would be unlike any tribulation since the beginning of time, and nor would there ever be another that was like it. The tribulation that's coming is greater than any other ever, before or after it. And so then that poses a question in my mind. If this tribulation that he's talking about is coming after these signs, why didn't he say we were going to be whisked out of here before that tribulation? He didn't say that. He said the days will be shortened so these people's lives will be saved. But he didn't say he's going to come in, sneak him out of here, and then all this stuff's going to happen. He didn't say that. He said do not heed the false prophecies and disregard the false prophets. Prophecies, professing, sayings, teachings. He said don't pay attention to them. Because they're not telling you the truth. 
And right now, we have more false prophets on the planet than ever before. Right now. God will deal with them. He says so. He says they're liars. He says don't pay attention to them. Don't be afraid of them. Even if they threaten you, don't be afraid of them. So we just speak the truth of his word. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, after he tells about this tribulation, he talks about all these signs, and he talks about this tribulation, then he says immediately after the tribulation of those days, and so the question is when? After the tribulation of those days. This is our Lord speaking, it's not me. These aren't my thoughts, these aren't my ideas, this is what the one we call Jesus, Yahashua, the Messiah, the one that we claim to follow, this is what he said. Are we really truly believing in him? Or are we believing in something that somebody put up as a picture of him and then they filled in any blanks that they thought would work real well for everybody? Because he said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heavens, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is something we have yet to see. We're not there yet. It hasn't happened. But when it does, you need to know, when that takes place, when that happens, when the sun is darkened and the moon doesn't give its light and the stars fall from heaven, whatever that means, it could be satellites falling from heaven for all we know. It could be that something comes crashing into our atmosphere and spreads out all over the planet, lots of pieces, and they burn up as they're coming into the earth. We don't know. But we know this. He said it's going to be after that tribulation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31, he says, Then, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. <laughs> one end of heaven to the other. Then, after, immediately after, the tribulation of those days, this is Christ our Lord speaking. Now I've heard all kinds of theories that have been put forth about when he was going to return. But I've got to go to what he said. I've got to follow what he said. Because he's not going to lie to me. He's not going to lie to you. There are those who come up with this doctrine, which I have got to call what it is, a false doctrine, and it came about in the 1800s where they said there, that he was going to come in, take his people, he was going to leave, then he's going to come back after the tribulation. But that's not what he said. And I've listened to other preachers who have talked about this thing that's called the rapture, where it's not found in the Bible anyway. I've heard them talk about this, but they're using teachings that came about in the 1800s. 
Prior to the 1800s, there was no such doctrine called the rapture. Eighteen hundred plus years, there was no rapture doctrine. But since then, we have this doctrine that has infiltrated the church, and on top of that, we have the doctrine that says you can sin in grace and it's okay. And God's word says, repent, turn from your sin. When you take those two doctrines and you put them together, you have people who are having pleasure in unrighteousness, the very thing that Christ condemned, and they're sitting on their hands, they're not doing anything, they're not, they don't believe they need to do anything, they call it a work if you go out and you tell somebody the gospel. And what we have is a bunch of people who are under delusion. They're being deceived. I've heard people say, I don't have anything to do. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. Come Lord Jesus. I say, yeah, let's pray. Come Lord Jesus. But you better know what's going to happen whenever he does. And preceding his coming. Oh, we're not going to be here, brother. He's going to take us away. I said, well, show me where that is in the word. Show me where he said that. Because he didn't. It's not written. What he said is written. And what he said is different from what they said. Now, I'm not going to go into all the background of that. I will at some point in time. Maybe the next message that we bring here. I hope all of you will be here. But that false doctrine has really poisoned the church. That false doctrine, he said, be not deceived. Beware of deception. And yet here we are in a time that he foretold, living with deception. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. In this text we hear that our Lord says, the righteous will be gathered together with him after that great tribulation. And there are those who say, well, you know, what he really means is that there will be some people who are converted during the tribulation and then he'll gather them up. But he doesn't say he's going to come and take people away first. He says after that tribulation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 to 34, we hear this. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. In other words, you know the signs. You pay attention to the signs. It's okay, yeah, the leaves are turning. Yeah, okay, we're going to have fig tree soon. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. At the doors. It's like it's right outside those doors, folks. Okay, we're here. But it's right outside those doors. He's coming. He said so. At the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, this group of people that are alive now, during this time that he's speaking of, will by no means pass away till all these things take place. He's saying we're going to see it. The generation means all the people living at the same time. And we're living at the same time during these signs being shown. His teachings are eternal. He says, my word will never pass away. Nobody but the Father knows when, specifically, when Christ will return. And this is why we must remain watchful. Each and every one of us. 
all the nations will be gathered before him, he said. Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. There's another passage that says that the gospel is going to go out like a fishnet. It's going to gather together all who will come. And then he is going to sort them. Good fish, bad fish. Good fish, bad fish. And... In John chapter 15, in verse 6, we read this. If anyone, this is our Lord speaking, does not abide, remain in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Not a pleasant message, but that's our Lord's words. That's not somebody else's words. That's his words. That's what he said. Are we following what he said? Or are we following what somebody else said? Check the doctrine. Whenever you hear somebody preaching something, check it against the word of God. Because if our Lord said it, we can trust it. If he didn't say it, ah, it could be off. And there's a lot of false teaching. There's a lot of false doctrine. There have been a lot of false shepherds that have brought teachings into the body of Christ that are false. Absolutely false. They're contrary to the words of Christ Himself, and still people want to hold on to those things. They believe that they're true because somebody that they trusted taught it to them. And it's wrong. And we may not live in deception and expect somehow that our eyes are going to be open unless we go into the Word of Almighty God and allow Him to open our eyes by His Spirit. Because His Word is true. Every man can be a liar, including yours truly. I don't want to be. I seek to stay true to his word. And I must tell you, the time is drawing near. It is at the doors. That's what he says. As the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what's that mean? As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until that day, Noah entered the ark. Everybody, business as usual. Everything was just going on as it always had. Everything was fine. Then suddenly, Noah went into the ark. God shut that ark. Can you imagine hearing that thud when the ark was shut? Shut. Boom! Inside the ark, they were safe. Outside of the ark, they were damned. Everyday life. Business as usual. You know, Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness. That's written in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And the people who ignored Noah's message perish. When you're a preacher of righteousness, a watchman called by God, you preach his word. Not some flowery stories. You don't go into the game, whatever game is popular at that particular time of the year. You preach the word. In season, out of season. Doesn't matter what season it is. He was a preacher of righteousness. And that means he was a preacher of repentance. Turn to God. And this is what God calls all of his people to do. He always has. That hasn't changed. Old covenant, new covenant, same covenant. It doesn't matter. No matter what your theology is on the covenant, God's message is turn to him. Repent. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 39, we hear this. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. That's a very sad fact. There were people that were oblivious to the fact 
that judgment was upon them. They didn't realize it. And they went about their day-to-day -day business just not paying any mind to the signs. Clouds were starting to form. The sky was getting dark. They'd never seen rain before. They didn't know what it was. Didn't know until the flood took them all the way. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, there's going to be a lot of people that are not ready. There are going to be a lot of people that are oblivious to the signs. They're not going to be paying attention to the signs. They're not going to care. They're going to be going about their day-to-day -day life, and Christ is going to return. Who was destroyed in the flood? The wicked. The wicked were destroyed. Two men will be in the field. We go on in Matthew 24, 40. One will be taken, the other left. Who will be taken? In God's wrath. Who are going to be taken? The wicked. At the coming of the Son of Man. They're going to be destroyed. But Christ is going to grab his people. He's going to take us out. Whether we're alive or we have passed, he's going to bring us out of this world. Context shows us that as in the days of Noah, the wicked will be destroyed in God's wrath, not the righteous. I have to clarify that because last week I didn't. And I appreciate those who were able to point it out to me because I had not clarified. It's the righteous who are taken with Christ. It is the unrighteous who are destroyed in the wrath of God, just as in the days of Noah. The angel will gather his elect from the four winds, one end of heaven to the other. And according to Christ, we see that this is when he gathers the righteous together to be with him. Therefore, in Matthew chapter 13, it is written, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. Do you see the connection? He's going to send out his angels. He'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. You see, they've got two purposes there. They're going to gather up his people, and they're going to gather all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And why do you suppose that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents? You think they don't have feelings? They have to, they have to partake in casting souls into hell. And they aren't happy about it. And our Lord gives us the reason right here. Because they're going to cast them into the furnace. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is our Lord's words. These are not my words. These are his. Watch therefore, he said, for you don't know what hour he's coming. Those who are watchful, this is the context, those who are watchful know he's coming. He's at the door. Those who are watchful are not caught off guard. Signs, signs, everywhere the signs. Therefore, you also be ready, it's written in Matthew 24, 44, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. You do not expect him to come, but he's coming. Be watchful. In Matthew 25, 13, it's written, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. In Mark chapter 13, it's written, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants and each to his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. Amen. He's talking to his people. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to his people. 
It applies to the world, but he's talking to us. In Jeremiah chapter 23, it is written, The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. Do you hear him speaking about the false prophets there? He said, they're going to be telling you lies. I didn't send them, but they ran. Greedily after error. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and the evil of their doings. And this is what's happening all over the world. You have false prophets false, falsely professing lies. It's not the truth of God. The truth of God is written in his word. And if we go to his word, we can find that truth and we can share it with others. But too many have taken what somebody else said, God's word says, and they've manufactured doctrines out of that, and then they've professed those things, and those are false professions. God didn't send them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we hear this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. Who will not escape? The unrepentant. Those who aren't ready. And who are not ready? Those who are willfully ignoring the signs and living sinful lives. Those are who are not ready. Just as in the days of Noah. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4, he says, But brethren, you're not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. And what does it mean to be in darkness? We have to look at God's word. We can't say, well, I think what darkness means is, and I've been in Bible studies where people have sat, they read a line of scripture, and then they talked for a half an hour, 45 minutes about what they thought it meant. Instead of looking at what God's word says it means, they're saying what they think it means. And I've had to speak up and say, well, it's not what it means. Because, and I would bring another passage of scripture, and say, well, this scripture says this, and this scripture says that, and this scripture says this. And when you put it into the context of God's word, because context is king, remember that. Not just the context of where the passage is found, but also the rest of the scriptures. Because if anything, if we take anything, we make something out of it, and it goes against something else, it is not the passage. Because I've heard this also. Well, that's a problem passage, Pastor. That's a problem passage. It doesn't agree with the theology, with the doctrine. And I said, well, that passage is not the problem. It's your theology. It's your doctrine that's the falsehood, not the word of God. This is the condemnation. It's written in John chapter 3 and verse 19. These are the words of the Lord. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness. Rather than light, because their deeds were evil. What is darkness? Sin. It's evil. It's wickedness. And what's wickedness? It's whatever God says it is. God's the one that gets to define sin, not us. God is the one that gets to define evil, not us. God is the one who gets to define wickedness, not us. It's whatever God says. You're all sons of light, sons of the day. We're not of the night, nor of darkness. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. This is the word of the Lord. This isn't my words. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you what his word says. You can take it or leave it. It's on you because my hands are clean. Because I have failed not. I have failed not to deliver the whole counsel of God's word. In Hebrews chapter 2, it's written, Therefore we must give 
the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Why would there be a warning against drifting away if it wasn't possible to drift away? Well, I have to ask. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? He's speaking to the apostles there. Those who were with him, those who heard him, confirmed what was said, what he taught, what he believed, what he brought to this earth. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders. In other words, they saw the signs and wonders that had accompanied the good news. And with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In other words, how are we going to escape if we ignore all of this? In 2 Peter chapter 3, it's written, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He opens it up for everybody. There are some who say, nope, he cuts it off. He created some for destruction, and others he created to be his people. And I say, no, that's not what he says. That's not what his word says, so I can't go with that. i got to go with what he says. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it is written, verses 10 through 13, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Do you keep hearing that thief in the night? He's saying it's not going to be like you're ready and he's coming, okay? It's like, oh yeah, he said he's going to be here at 3.30. We just have to wait. No. He's going to come unexpectedly. He's at the door. But he's coming unexpectedly. You can connect those two things. You're doing good. It's difficult for a lot of people. He says, in which the heavens, this is Peter, who was one of his right-hand guys. Peter said, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, if all this is going to happen, why would you want to live any other way but the way he wants you to live? Looking for and hastening the day, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And this is the promise of the gospel. It's the good news for all of us. It's the good news for all of us. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. And we get to live and dwell in righteousness. There will be no more sin. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sadness. It will be in the glory of God that we get to exist. This is the good news. This is what we need to proclaim. Yes, there is destruction. If they don't know the bad news, they're not going to understand the good news and how good it is. It's the promise of the gospel. The Messiah came and he lived and he was tortured and he suffered and he died and he rose again. And then he ascended into heaven and he promised to come back to collect his people who have endured everything that this earth has thrown at them. And that's what yours truly wants for all of you. get to live with our creator for all of eternity. May we be found watching and waiting because he's asked to Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for your word. Your word is true. Every man can be a liar, Lord. 
that your word is true. Help us, Father, to incorporate your word into our lives as our guide. Christ, our living, active word, your written, active word. Lord, help us to incorporate Christ in our lives. May we be found watching and waiting, Lord, not ignoring the signs. May we be found watching and waiting, not living willfully, deliberately against your word. I pray this to each one in this room and all within the sound of my voice and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen.